Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. And you guys, I'm really excited about the new format of the podcast. I mean, we're taking your questions. We're getting you on the show. We're listening to nurses, getting your stories told, and really talking about the things that are important to us personally and professionally. And just want to drop that off earlier on the show. If you feel like you want to be on the podcast, you have something to talk about, hit us up at email, nursealice at nurse.org, or you can text us at 725-910-9676. So I'm going to jump into today's interview um, we have Lisa, who is an experienced um, progressive care nurse, and she's going to tell us about her journey with experiencing a medical leave from work. Now, I've been on medical leave too, guys. Like I've I've had some kids, I've had some other issues go on, minor surgeries, and I've needed to be off. I think we've all at some point needed to be off, but sometimes we need to be off more than just like, I'm calling in sick today because my tummy hurts or something like that. Some of us will sometimes need to be off for either an extended period of time, um, which is usually covered under something called the Family Medical Leave Act. But sometimes you don't need that, you know, prolonged period of time off. Your condition might flare up, it might ebb and flow, and you might need to be off here and there. And sometimes we call that intermittent leave. So either way, we thought it would be, you know, Lisa wanted, was is going to share her story and her experience because it's important for you to know these things because we can have these resources and know like, oh, I can do this when when the time comes. But it's also important to hear the story behind when you really use this, what really goes down, what you should be prepared for, what you should know, and what better than to learn from Lisa and myself, some things that, you know, things I wish I knew. And, you know, she's going to impart a lot of her knowledge and tips for nurses who might need to experience this or, or encounter needing to take a leave off either for themselves or for someone else. Um, but first, I just really want to welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Okay. So, you know, I just saw a little bit about yourself, experienced progressive care nurse. Um, but Lisa, you've spent a lot of time in the healthcare field and actually kind of climbed your way through the ranks as, you know, and people love to hear those stories because listen, there we get CNAs and LVNs and EMTs and people who are like, not even in any of those, like, I want to be a nurse. And they get inspired when they hear stories. So can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Well, I have worked in healthcare since high school. Basically, I did an internship that kind of sparked my interest in working in healthcare. And I've done everything since from like clerical jobs to you know, eventually becoming a CNA and then moving on to becoming an LVN, licensed vocational nurse, and then eventually moving on to get my RN and then my BSN. I kind of took 
I don't know if that's the traditional route that most people used to take, but now there's all these fast track programs that you can jump over this and that. But I kind of like came through nursing when, you know, you just kind of took the next step, next level kind of thing. And, you know, I've stayed in the same, um, you know, mostly the same companies and moving around different positions, um, just finding my footing until I found the job that I really wanted and I loved. And so that's kind of, you know, where I'm at now. <laughs> so you have been, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your love or your passion has been progressive care, stroke patients in particular. I know you're very knowledgeable about those things and you've been with a loyal to a particular organization for a very long time. But, you know, just as we are nurses and we take care of other people, sometimes we got to step back and take care of ourselves. So tell us about, you know, obviously you're a nurse, you take care of other people, but there came a point where you need to kind of step back and take care of yourself. So what happened? Yes. So just to kind of put it out there a little bit, I've always suffered with migraines. I know a lot of people have migraines. They don't look at it like it could be a disability. They don't look at it as something that could affect their career, but it really can. I mean, it's one of those sort of like unknown medical conditions that they don't really understand fully why they happen to people. We just kind of like treat the symptoms and try to figure out what the triggers are and try to avoid them. There has been some enhancements with medications, which has helped a lot. But overall, for the most part, you know, throughout my life, I've suffered. And so, you know, it's affected my job. And before I knew like what opportunities I had to actually protect my employment, I would call in sick whenever I had, you know, really, you know, really sickness from migraines. So, and that happened to me a lot. I mean, you know, migraines hit you, you can get hit with all types of symptoms, you know, between nausea, you know, I don't know how graphic I can get, but nausea, vomiting, you know, dizziness, um, sleepiness, you know, pounding, throbbing headaches, you know, um, confusion sometimes, weakness. There's lots of things and reasons that you would need to stay home because you're literally just too sick to go to work and take care of other people. So, you know, you have to take care of yourself first. Otherwise you <laughs> are no good to your employment. And this would hit so you have, like out of the blue, right? Like you can't yeah, plan for just, a migraine. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to call no. in six no. hours before shift to give them plenty of time no. for staffing because I have a migraine. Like sometimes this could happen like right before work, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes even just the stress of life, just, you know, making sure your family has dinner before you go to work. Cause I work night shift a lot and, you know, just getting your life organized down to the minute to get dressed you know, getting in the shower, all of a sudden you just start feeling so dizzy and your head starts pounding and you just get nauseous. And then you're like, oh no, it's coming on right now. And there's nothing that stops it. You know, I mean, even medication takes some time to kick in. And even then, you know, the medications can make you feel a little tired or, you know, weakness and sleepy. So you kind of got to lay down and, you know, so yeah, out of nowhere. And sometimes it could be, you know, within that two hours that you're getting ready to report to work. So then what do you do? You know, you're at risk of having a late sick call when you call in sick. Um, and that was things that I actually dealt with, you know, it's, I mean, anything you think of related to sick calls for any type of like chronic illness, I dealt with that, you know, wow. for years. Now, let me ask, because as nurses, we oftentimes put ourselves last and the the pressures of the job and listen we're not even real well I am going to mention COVID but like even during COVID like there was so much pressure for us to show up even when we didn't feel our best how would how often do you say would you say you went to work still with your migraine trying to take care of others 75 percent of the time and then there was times where I would go to work I would report and then halfway through my shifts I've had to leave because I was just too sick and again, this is, we're talking about a time period to also where there wasn't much advancement in the medication, 
either. So you're just stuck with meds that, you know, knock you out, <laughs> you know, make you almost feel worse before you feel better. Um, but that, yeah, I've gone to work like not feeling ill, you know, cause my migraines were called intractable migraines where they'll last for, you know, two to four days at a time as well. So, you know, you go to work, you don't go to work one day, but then you, you're like, well, do I call out again the second day? Because, you know, I'm still sick. You know, what do you do? So you got, I got to go to work because either you don't have enough hours to cover your next day off. Um, or you, you don't have any more available sick days. <laughs> so you're, you're at risk of getting written up, you know, and you, you, what do you do? You know, you're just kind of stuck, you know? That is a yucky feeling situation to be in because it's scary. Yeah. Because for one, you don't feel good. And it's like, well, in good faith, how can I go to work and take care of someone when I don't feel good? Like I'm not even being a good patient to myself, but yet you have leadership and unit needs, unit demands, like on this other side, you know, pestering you. And let's just be honest. You can't see migraines. It's not like I have a broken arm. Like if you saw me in a cast and I'm wobbling around, like you'd have more compassion. Also, I want to tap into this. Like you mentioned that you would go to work, you would try your best to go to work and sometimes you'd go and you feel crappy. And then sometimes you'd be so bad that you'd have to leave work because your colleagues can't see migraines. Like, what was that like? Like, did you, was there any beef or tension on the unit or like, how did that make you feel? Like trying your best to go to work, but then still having to leave. Like, did that cause well, any anxiety you for feel, you? Yeah, because you're, you know, people are planning their workflow around the staffing that they have. So if they know they have X amount of employees there, they know how their night can project. They can project their night a little bit easier. But, you know, if you're losing staff in the middle of shift, you have to adjust to those things. And sometimes, you know, the workflow doesn't always allow for that, but you just have to adjust and it puts a strain on everybody. And then, you know, they eventually will start to look at you like you're either a flaky employee, you know, you don't want to commit, you know, they might even be having regrets of hiring you, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, your reputation's on the line. Cause what if you're, you know, working your way through the ranks and you're trying to use people as references and things like that. And they have formulated opinions about you because they don't think that you are, you know, a committed employee, you know, because you have this health issue that you're trying to even manage and navigate yourself. You don't understand it. Your doctors don't understand it. You know, and they're just like, you know, avoid, co you know, coffee and chocolate and this and that. I mean, it's just you, you really don't even know how to narrow down your triggers because they could be anything. So it's very stressful all the way around. I mean, I have felt bad for my employer, but I also felt bad for myself, too, and my family because they have to they're impacted as well, taking care of me when I'm sick. Right. And so the Federal Family Medical Leave Act. So this is something that generally provides 12 weeks of unpaid leave during a 12 month period. Um, usually for the care of someone else or for your own serious medical condition. Like I've had to take it and I've taken it because I've had like minor surgery. So I've been off. Like I knew though, I'm like, I have a planned surgery. I'm going to be off from this day. And then I would, you know, do updates from my doctor. But once I was out, I was out of the mix. Now with you, migraines can be very serious, right? They're very debilitating. So you took a form of a family medical leave. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because this is, this is the leave that you took. I don't think as many people are aware or familiar that this option actually indeed exists until they're like down to the wire. So well, I was one of those people before as well. So I didn't know that it existed and I wished I did because I probably could have saved my attendance record and, you know, the, the faith in my capabilities to show up to work, you know, ready for work for my employer, you know, they could have had more confidence in me. They would have understood my situation a little better. 
once I moved away from just seeing my family primary doctor for my migraine management and I was referred to a neurologist, that's when things started getting a little bit better for me as far as managing uh, my migraines and also where I discovered that they have under like the FMLA family leave umbrella, there's a intermittent leave that you can take, which means it's just basically an intermittently reduced work schedule. So you're not fully off of work. You're, you're not on disability. You're, you're just allowed to call in sick based off of the doctor's recommendation um, of how many times you have what they call a flare up or something that's, you know, involving whatever your health issue is. So for me, since my migraines would last two to four days, you know, that could be, I could be working two days out of a week. I work three 12 hour shifts, so I could be working two shifts in a row. And if I'm having flare ups for two days, you know, that's considered two days. So I can call in those two days if I need to. And once I discovered this, it totally changed my whole situation for at least for like being able to hold on to my employment and, and call in when I needed to, to, you know, take care of myself. And I wasn't putting myself at or my family at risk of losing my job. You know, I still had it. And I somewhat had a disability because migraines are starting to move into the disability category for at least for our country, because so many people have it. It's more of a chronic issue than a lot of people realize. So I took advantage of the um, intermittent leave. And it is a form that has to be filled out by your provider. It's like a series of questions on there that documents not everything about your condition, but just how many days they feel you need, how frequent this is happening for you and stuff like that. And it also has where you, if you need to call in within the two hours of reporting for work, then you should be able to do that as well. But they have to indicate that on that form because it's very specific. So Shauna, you are helping so many people right now because right now there are so many people who are struggling with some form of illness or maybe it's not even them, but it's their child or their significant other. They're ill and they're torn from, I want to stay home and take care of my family member because that's really my primary job. But I also have this job that I need because I have to pay rent and buy food and take care of little people. But you know, I, I can't really go there because I'm having to be here and you're ha- like, you're being torn apart. You're literally being torn between two very important things. We love being nurses. We love taking care of people. But at the end of the day, you and your immediate family should be your priority when it comes to who's your patient, like who's your number one patient right now. And so it sounds like you didn't know that intermittent leave existed. So you were just calling out and like the reputation, you know, people got, y'all know y'all gossip in the break room. Just stop. Just let's just call a spade a spade. And, you know, cause I've done, you know, I've done that. Like, why are we sure? I've overheard things. I've overheard things that work Ooh. about other people. So, you know, oh, that yeah. It yeah, yeah. <laughs> if she, if they talk about them, they definitely talk about you when you're not yes. present. So, yes. and let's just be honest. I mean, nobody wants to lose their job, especially when they're legit sick and things. But when you call out, Like in every hospital and clinic or wherever you work is a little bit different with their attendance policy. So guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you check out your attendance policy. That is definitely one policy you want to be familiar with. Because if I recall correctly, where I work, three incidents within a certain amount of time, unexcused absence, meaning I didn't have a doctor's note or something like that. I just called out because I didn't feel good. After three, it was a verbal warning. And then like another one, would be, you know, they would escalate through this disciplinary process. And that actually paint, you could be like the best nurse on the floor. Patients love you. Daisy Award, you've been nominated. You're like the unit practice council chairperson. But this attendance has like this glooming gray cloud over your head. Like, mm, 
not a good employee when legit I am. I just got something going on. So at any part time in here, like, did you get pushed through was that? Like going dis- through the disciplinary? Yeah. Part? Yeah. Yes. So I, I was, and it, you know, I was getting verbals. I mean, they were being very nice about it and everything like that. And they were concerned because, you know, I was sharing with my employer a little bit about my situation. You know, you don't have to do that, but I was, cause I work with these people forever, but you work for a corporation at the end of the day, everybody has these laws and they lay down the law. So that's what it is. And you have to follow it, unfortunately. But once I got into the, I, the intermittent leave situation, it kind of cleared all that up for me. So it allowed me to stay home when I needed to. And I felt better, you know, I mentally, I could go, okay, that stress of, you know, being at risk of losing my job and those types of things kind of came off. And so now you can focus on just the stress of your health issue. And so it made it a lot better. But I do want to point out one thing. When you use your intermittent leave, you're calling in sick. So it's a sick call, but it is under categorized under the intermittent leave. So you're protected by that. But eventually you get to the point where you start to run out of hours, sick leave hours and vacation hours, because you're covering those shifts with those hours. So now you're looking at, okay, eventually I'm running low on hours. What am I going to do? Because I'm still not, you know, I'm not well from this condition. I still have it. It's a chronic thing at this point for me. What am I going to do? You know, you're running out of hours. You're going to eat, you're going to have to start making decisions. Do I want to keep calling in with intermittent leave? and not getting paid eventually, because that's the reality. I mean, everybody runs into that if you have this chronic health condition that's not resolved yet. So that's kind of the point that I was at where eventually it turned into me talking to my provider about taking a disability leave, because I know this is like a whole other topic, but that's ultimately what led me to do the disability. Because if you're, let's just be honest, if you're missing this much work, you're working three shifts a week, you're missing, you know, one to two shifts a week because of this chronic condition, you probably should be off of work just to fully address your situation so you can get back in the game later, you know, just put all your attention on what needs to be, you know, having your attention, which is your health first. So you can take care of yourself, take care of your family, you can report to work and be productive. Because if you don't have your own personal health intact, then nothing else works in your life. It just doesn't. You're the priority at that point and everything's going to shift to caring for you. So that's ultimately what I did. And that can be a whole separate conversation, but that's what you will eventually look at if you have a chronic condition or a family member that's sick that you're consistently taking care of. Eventually you run out of those funds or those hours in your your PTO and ESI banks to cover your shifts. So that's like a whole other side of it. You know what I mean? But at least it's there for like short term if you kind of like are getting through something or you have, like you said, family member or whatever. Okay. Take care of. Now, yeah. Shada, I want to ask, as you were going through this process, you mentioned that, you know, apparently, apparently you've been on your unit for a long time. They were like family. You felt comfortable sharing some pieces of your health, what you were going through with your, I'm, I'm assuming manager or assistant manager, whoever did the scheduling. Now, I want you to share with people, do they have to? Do they have to share the details of maybe what their diagnosis is or what their, like for anyone who's going through something, a health issue, whether it's themselves or their family member, how much do they, are they obligated to share with their actual employer? And then kind of walk me through a little bit the paperwork, because there's certain things you don't need to say, and your provider will write the things that are medically necessary for you, right? So tell us what those things are. I'll start with the forms because the forms are set up to not indicate what your health problem is. It's just supposed to indicate through a provider certifying the forms because the provider's signature certifies what is going on with your condition. 
not what your condition is. So the form is basically just certifying what you and your provider talk about, how much he feels, he or she feels you need to be off of work to address these issues, how intermittently, you know, one day, two days a week or two days a month, whatever that situation is. You guys work that out with your provider. They fill out the forms. They'll put it down to the hours of how many increments and hours you have to be off, you know, or, you know, maybe leave for an appointment. You should be able to leave for an appointment if you're sick in the middle of your shift and not be counted against you also. There's ways that you can do that on the form that shows, you know, suddenly you get sick at work. I need to be able to leave and be protected. You know what I mean? And stuff like that because it's a disability. It's, it's literally considered a disability. So, but you're trying to hold on to your employment. So they will put everything on there to help you get through this so that your job is protected. And it could be, like I said, it could be in the middle of a shift. You can have that written down. You can have it written down to be able to call within two hours of your, sh- you know, one hour of your shift, even if you need to cancel at the last minute, <laughs> you know, sorry, staffing. I know I understand that like, you know, Hey, I'm too sick to come to work. So uh, no, you do not have to disclose your health issues to your employer. And I did. And I can tell you, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think they are at the point, especially since we're after COVID here, you know, a lot of stuff happened. They are, they need to have those numbers have to match. Like they need the staffing numbers to match the, the ratio in the hospital, the census. So, you know, that's, it, it seems cold. Like they, you know, it seems cold. Like they, you know, they don't care about you. They might care, but I think the pressure everybody's under <laughs> to get these numbers to match, you know, to balance everything, to balance the staffing against the census. I think the pressures of all of those things that everybody's under, it takes away the sensitivity factor that people, you would think people would have because we are healthcare providers. You think that all of us, even your manager's a nurse, you know, your manager's a nurse, your lead's a nurse, everyone's nursing, you know, everyone nurses. So yeah, they're all nurses. We all take care of people, but at the end of it all, they are trying to crunch numbers and that takes away the sensitivity part for you as an employee to feel like these people care about me being sick. (laughs) So you have to be specific about what your needs are on those forms. And so once you get that dialed in and you turn that into your employer and HR gets it, I mean, that's just, that's what it is. A doctor has certified it. You're not coming in there with a story. Your doctor is telling them what your story is without disclosing your medical condition. So no, you do not have to tell them. No. Now, let me ask this, Shonda, because you're, it's like you were dealing with it for a while. Then when things started to get bad, that's when you discovered intermittent leave. So what advice would you have to someone for someone who has maybe a chronic medical condition or maybe a new diagnosis of something that could potentially interfere? Like, should they wait to try to get intermittent leave? Or is it a discussion that if you could tell your younger self that you would have had this, you would have sought this out earlier? Like, what would you suggest to someone? Yeah, I would suggest to um, find the right providers that you need to be seeing. So like in my case, I should have seen a neurologist years before this you know, years before I saw one, but me not really, you know, not being at that stage in my career where I identified my condition matches a neurology condition. I didn't see one. So until one day my doctor just said, okay, I've prescribed you enough medicine to where I can't control your chronic condition. Now you're going to have to see a specialist. I would say, don't be afraid to ask to see a specialist early on because it could be something that you know, a lot of times these, these primary care doctors don't even want to touch these problems. They want to refer you out anyway. So go and see the right doctors. A, go see the right doctors. B, you know, discuss the effects on your life. How is it impacting everything, your work-life balance, your family, your everything, so they can get a clear picture 
of what is exactly going on with you outside of work. Cause it's not all about work, but you know, we're trying to protect our jobs here. We're trying to, you know, see, get these employers to see that we are dedicated to our jobs, but we actually become patients also. <laughs> it's not just, we can't just care, care, care for everyone and not break down at some point. You know, we all have to kind of go through different scenarios of health issues. So I would say, you know, get a provider, get the right provider, specialist, let them know what's going on. Talk to them about your options of, you know, your how much work you're missing. You know, you're calling in sick and now you're getting written up or talked to or whatever at your job. You know, you're concerned about that. Talk to them about it because there's ways they can help you. Just like what I stumbled on and discovered with my neurologist. He was so nice enough to offer that to me. Um, I was happy with that. And I was so glad. And I thought about all the other times I stressed out and went to work sick or stressed out and, you know, didn't go to work and, you know, and I still managed to stay with the company, but, you know, I think my record took some hits over the years, you know, because of that. So I would say those, those two things, you know, the, the major part and just keep in contact with your doctor throughout this process, because the intermittent leaves are usually for a specific amount of time. Sometimes they're like six months, three months, six months, they designate how many, how long. You need to have those renewed periodically. You do have to have it recertified. Yes. So Whatever the deadline is for that, get in like a month before, get all your paperwork dialed in, get used to the process, you know, update it, keep it on file as long as you need it, because that's protecting you as an employee of a corporation, because everybody's going by the rules and the laws and the bylaws. So you want to do the same thing. You know, you want to make sure that you're contacting HR and asking all the questions you need to ask about this process. Get me all the forms I need, (laughs) send them to me and I'll take them to my doctor and get them filled out. Just stick to your dime, your timelines and, you know, uh, you know, protect yourself. It's all about protecting each person, the employer and myself, so that we're all on the same page, you know, but you do not have to do, you don't have to disclose your health issues to your coworkers or your friends a little, but they're still your coworkers. Whatever you tell them, they can pass that information on to other people if they yeah, start asking do questions about you. They're going to do S-bar about what's going on with Lisa. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. I, so. <laughs> no, I have a question. So, so this has been really great information, Lisa, and I know you're going to, you're going to help so many people. Now I would just want as the nurse, as the colleague of someone who is experiencing this, what would you say to the people who are on maybe on your shift? Like, what would you recommend how, that how they handle this? Because I'm used you, you alluded to earlier that you heard some of the things that were said about you. So I mean, no, I didn't, I didn't hear anything about me, but I heard other people talking about other people. So I know the the potential is high for them to be talking about me when I'm not there. So I'm just gonna, I'm not going to assume anything, but I can say that there is room for people to do that about me. So, you know, that's why you get these forms. People understand, oh, she has something going on. You know what I mean? And they're more they can respect when you do call out a little bit better because they're like, okay, she's probably sick today, you know? Right. And I think that's where we as nurses need to have compassion for one another because recognize, yes, you're the nurse today, but you're going to be, you could possibly be a patient tomorrow or that same night. Absolutely. There's been plenty of times I've gone to ER because I couldn't control my migraine. You know, after three or four days, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm doing the self-care. I'm doing the medication as prescribed. I'm taking care of whatever I need to do sleeping, whatever, nothing. I can't even sleep this thing off. You know, I can't even ice my head enough here. You know, there's can't get rid of the nausea, whatever the case is, I'll go to the ER and I'll have to get fluids. I'll have to get pain meds. I'll have to get the whole gamut. I become the patient at that point. You know, I'm on an EKG monitor. They're just making sure I'm not having something crazy going on with my blood pressure or my heart rate. 
you know, you become the patient. You have to be patient with them as well. I mean, you know, these nurses are coming in. They know you're a nurse. They're trying to put IVs in your arm. They're nervous. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's scary sometimes, you know, when you have to be on the other side. (laughs) Absolutely. As the patient. And then for the, for the colleagues who may experience working short or having to shuffle assignments around because a colleague is sick, I think it's important that we just have some compassion for them too. Cause it could, it can be us and probably will be us one day unplanned, unexpected. And I think we just need to exercise some of the same compassion that we have for our patients, for our colleagues as well. Absolutely. We're all people at the end of the day. You know? Exactly. So Lisa, this has been some great information. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I think we have to bring you back because I know there's there's like a part two and part three almost to like your journey. Yeah, there actually is. Um, It kind of gets into what we, you know, we we talked about, you know, not being talked about at work, but you know, you kind of start to see on the other end once you, (laughs) once I got a little further down the line with that, um, I experienced some things that made me feel like now they might be talking, you know, stuff like that. But I don't think when I was there, it was happening. So Right. So you have these forms in place to protect you, but sometimes we know how petty people can be. And sometimes, you know, not fully understanding or maybe a lack of compassion, people might still label the situation as, oh, she, he or she really doesn't want to work. They're hiding behind this. They're abusing exactly. the system and other things. And guys, we just cannot. Okay. Let's, let's not do that because these are real people with real medical conditions, real situations that they have to deal with. And you cannot be upset that someone has put their health first. Uh, It's like putting your oxygen mask on, right? I got to put my own oxygen mask on first before I can take care of others. So we'll have to bring Lisa back to talk about uh, some of the ripple effects. Because also I'll say this, healthcare systems, listen, some of y'all are not going to like what I'm going to say, but healthcare systems really do not like the informed nurse, the nurse that truly knows the policies and procedures that knows how to navigate those white uh, rapid waters, you know, because an informed person, knowledge is power. And so when you exercise all your rights, all your freedoms, and you do things by the book, people will sometimes try to tell you you're wrong. They'll try to throw a monkey wrench in the process, or they'll try to hold things over your head. And those are some of the other things that we need to talk about and prepare people for should they, you know, exercise their rights for these. Now, this is not to discourage you from taking family medical leave, intermittent leave. If you need it, you need it. You come first. But we also want you to be well informed with how to handle and maybe see some of the booby traps that may lay ahead of you if you're someone who exercises these things. So we'll get to those topics in another episode. But Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. Guys, for those of you who are listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I hope this has been helpful. I think it's been helpful to a lot of people and to just kind of better understand it and talk through it. And Lisa was so gracious to share her situation with us. So it's a learning purpose. Um, So you got to share this podcast with your friends, your colleagues, your classmates, your managers, your risk manager, go ahead, because (laughs) they need to know that we know what's going on. And just, you know, keeping each other more informed about how to handle situations like this, because you never know, you could be the patient one day, or you could might be the nurse who has to maybe shuffle your assignment because your Lisa at work had to go out. I've been that person as well for other people when they've been out sick. So I understand the flip side. Yes. And that's what we should do. We need to understand the flip side. But guys, this has been a great podcast. Make sure you share it with a friend, classmate, colleague. Um, And also let us know. Go to your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, leave a a rating and review. We'd love to hear what you think. And also 
Send your comments. You can slide into our DMs at nurse.org or ask Nurse Alice. You can also send us an email at nursealice at nurse.org. Would love to hear from you there. Or you can also text us at 725-910-9676. That's 725-910-9676. I promise we'll text back. We'll get to your comments. Um, we, we just want to make sure that we have a way to communicate with you guys because this podcast is for nurses by nurses because we want to tell the things that are personally and professionally important and relevant to us. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in. And as I tell you always, please, please, please make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education and community resources.